Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that goes to the cinema every week, sees maybe about three films, stays at home on streaming services, sees maybe about three things, rates them all out of five, and answers the question, where was the money better spent this week? My name is Tosin, I am the host, and I am um, based up in Birmingham in the United Kingdom somewhere. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolan. Hello. And Sean Bugman Harris. How are you? How are you? <laughs> doing, doing well, doing well, doing well. So this, yeah. So as I said, we usually go to the cinema and see three things, and this is I'm I'm kind of like shocked that in this week, with the big release out, we have managed to come onto this thing. We managed to have three films in the cinema, and recently we've been complaining that there's not that much to see in the cinema. There's not that much to see in the cinema, but we've managed to see three films in the cinema in the past week, and none of them is John Wick Chapter Four. I, <laughs> I, I am both shocked. And I've got to, I've got to admit, a little bit impressed with us that, <laughs> that we didn't feel the need to immediately rush out and go see John Wick Chapter Four because I have to be honest, the last John Wick film tried my patience. <laughs> yes. It had, it had great action and not much else. I mean, <laughs> I think the mythology, uh, the storyline, and everything is is getting old. It's getting old. It got on my nerves. It got. But anyway, anyway, what was your excuse for not watching John Wick Chapter Four? <laughs> okay, well, my my excuse was that it's probably going to be around for a while. So, so and it's rather long, and it was again, it was the timings and things really. And I just thought, well, because I, I, I mean, I went over to, I was over over Bournemouth the weekend, some of the weekend, and then I came back on the Sunday and I just thought, well, I don't watch. So I, I got in touch with Sharon and she was like, nah, which I don't blame her. <laughs> so you did it in a really, really lovely fight. They all definitely going to be available for it. I think it was like, oh, I looked at the trailer and thought, you know what? <laughs> yeah. No, I said, so- totally understandable, mate. And, and um, yeah. I'm- Sunday is my, um, as is my day of religious yeah. observance. Yeah. So, I must admit, I don't tend to do anything social no. on a Sunday. Um, but if, so, I, if it's a, if it's like if it was the only day that it was showing, I'd be like, okay, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll bend my rules for that. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, yeah. but I must admit, I tend to be like a. Um, it's not everyone's thing, but for me, for me, Sunday has been like, I don't. I, I, don't I think it was very much you would have you have had to be into the whole American football scene to to. Yeah enjoyed it in any way you don't you see i'm not that much into american football and even i know who brady is so yeah. that's one of the one of the him. one of the films that we've seen this film uh, what, this week is 80 for brady so sean you saw 80 for brady you I tried to see. bring sharon along with you and yeah. sharon used god as an excuse to get out of it so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and sean you also saw infinity pool infinity who, pool yes who has, as we said last week, uh, it was Sean and I on the show, and Sean said, I have decided that this is it. My new actress du jour, my new, oh my God, she's the best thing ever. I will watch anything she's in. Yeah, is Mia Goth. <laughs> Mia Goth. And, and, it, and from everything I've heard, this is Mia Goth doing, giving another one of those check me out performances where you're like, where you're like okay, yeah, I have to sit up and take notice. And I, I, Sean, after last week where we complained and we railed and we went on and on about Rye Lane and how we both wanted to see Rye Lane and how Rye Lane wasn't actually in cinemas and it was being put, no, it was in cinemas, but it was being put on stupid times like three o'clock in the afternoon when no one could see it. 
as we after when we got off air and we were complaining, I actually went online and just googled Riley in my area to find out that it was showing. They'd randomly had a nine o'clock showing, which is after we record the podcast. And I managed to make it to the cinema. I was the only one in the cinema. Text me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was the only one in the cinema. I managed to watch Rye Lane. And I was actually quite happy because I was like, and I think the next day it was gone. So, so I think I might catch the last showing of Rye Lane. And I'm really happy I did. If that's not a spoiler for the review coming up. And at home, at home, Sharon, you have seen. A Shadow and Bone season two. Which is good uh, because. On Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I know that you quite like that. And that seems to be one of the few young adult book adaptations that netflix has not cancelled yet <laughs> yes so they, still, so for, uh, they haven't said yet they're going to do a third season which the books would lend themselves to another season but i've talked about that in my review i think that there might be a third season i might have jinxed it now but now i've said it out loud but i think there's going to be a third season of shadow and bone sean you saw the stranger stranger yeah which is uh, i i I feel like that might be a Ryan Murphy, but I think I might be confusing that with something else. Oh, no, I think I'm confusing that with The Watcher. The Watcher, Watcher yeah, with... you might be. Yeah, The, the Stranger is some Australian, it's an Australian movie um, with with my namesake, Sean Harris. Ha, ha, good old Sean Harris. Good old Sean good, Harris. Good so... old scary ginger Sean Harris. Yeah. <laughs> he's always scary in every film he's in. Uh, and I, I saw on Apple TV Plus Shrinking. So, without any further ado, let's just kick off. Let's start reviewing these things because that is what we're here to do. And Infinity Pool. Sean, tell us, what is Infinity Pool about? And I know where you want... Just tell us... Give us a little bit about what the film is about. Then you can get to what you really want to talk about, it, which is Mia Goth and how great she is. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so, right. So, this is a film. It takes place on, um, on a resort, obviously, in a poor country because this resort, it's got barbed wire and it's fenced round and, and, and what have you. It's very much a, a rich, poor society. And obviously, the resort they're on, it's, it is a proper, proper resort. And, um, and they decide... Anyway, he's... You, you've got a... Skarsgård, he's he's a writer and he's written run one book. Which and... Skarsgård are we talking about? Sorry, my interest is something. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Alexander, yes, you, you... this is this is uh, Alexander. Is it? Yeah, it's Alexander. How Eric, did I not Eric know the about Viking. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested. I'm suddenly I'm very interested in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so yeah, and it's and, and he's a writer, and he's so so that that's piqued your interest already. It has. And he's written one book. That's right, mate. Yeah. And he, so he's written one book, and it's not done particularly well. And it probably would never have got published, except he's married to an incredibly rich wife. So he's oh, yeah. like who's whose dad's and uh, and mogul and all that. And then they're having dinner one day. They're having lunch, and this this girl, Mia Goff, says, "Oh, I've read your book. I really, really like your book." And of course, she exudes that sort of. So I think he's more to start with. He's more, although she's attractive and he's sort of that way. I think it's because of someone who's read his book. I really oh, like yeah, your yeah. book. I really, really. Anyway, so they decide. So they say, "Oh, we're, we're going to go out tomorrow. We're going to go out to this beach tomorrow, out, out of the resort." So they they go out um, to, to a beach, and then they get a little bit drunk from champagne. And when they drive back, they knock someone over. They sort of have someone in the car. They kill someone in a car accident, or he does, Alexander. And they're like the others are saying, "No, it's okay. It's okay. Just we we leave it. We leave it. We drive." And um, 
and and I'll sort it out. I'll sort it out. Me and God saying I'll sort it out. Sort it out. Not sure what the characters' names are. I'll, I will have a look because I've actually got something up. So, but I'm on the wrong one. So. Uh, yeah. Well, that yeah. It not sure it matters. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, let's 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 get back to the story. Is the next day the police come knocking on the door and they take take Alexander. It's difficult this one without giving spoilers really. Um, anyway, they take him away and they said, "Oh, you've you've you've." Uh, knock down this person and the family want want the death penalty you know so in this everything it's an eye for an eye so you're going to be killed and he goes into this he goes they take him to prison and the police are there and he's all worried and all that and uh and then they, they have this process where sure enough they're killed but there's like a doppelganger so they they almost mold a doppelganger i know okay. sounds sound bizarre it's cronenberg so oh yeah it, it and, was yeah, so, it was so you can actually cronenberg you can actually watch your own execution. So you can actually watch it and still be be around, which I guess what the film says is the infinity pool. And there's this group of rich socialites, which they wear masks and stuff, and they basically do some really, really weird things every season to, um, to you know, because they know that they can just become infinite again, infinite again, and it's very much, you know, what the rich can do. So... Well, that's so a turn I was not expecting, I have to No, say. I know, yeah. It's, it's, um, so the process is that if you commit a crime, you get killed, but you still, you still, you have like a doppelganger, so you can actually, and, you know, so like when there's executions going on, they're all sort of clapping themselves and stuff, you know, oh, yeah, well done, well done. So, and they go and just do, so this film is about them going out and doing some nasty things and then getting caught and then going out and doing some more nasty things and wearing masks and drinking and... You know, uh, having just wild orgies and all sorts of stuff like so, that. So it's basically rich and poor with these rich people. As long as you've got the money, you can do you whatever can the hell you want. But it's quite a thriller. And poor old Alexander, he becomes a bit of a, a a bullied character. Do you know what I mean? So through the so okay, okay. Mm. okay so so that's the that is the the um the synopsis. Um, yep. that's synopsis. It sounds a little bit purge-like, but um. So, Sean, yep. thank you very much for that. We know that anything else you're going to say is going to probably go into spoiler territory. So, let's get onto the main thing. How was Mia Goth? A tour de force. She was. She was. <laughs> she can go from being. How can she do it? She did it in Pearl. She can go from being like innocent, naive, sexy to horrible, nasty, bully. It's, it's just. And it switches, and it's, and she's just so convincing. I don't know how she does it. She just totally, totally convinces. So she can go from being, oh, oh, Alex, where are you? Do you know what I mean? And being really nasty. And then, oh, come on. I don't know. It's just, she's, she's brilliant. She's fantastic. She's, like, amazing. What an amazing actress she is. She's totally, Pearl, fantastic. X, fantastic. Sharon, you don't really like the horror ones, do you? But I think you should see, maybe not X, I don't think you'd like X, but I think you should see Pearl. Yeah, and, probably and Pearl. Same, probably with, you, same, with, same with you, Toes, really. Well, yeah, um, yeah Pearl, Pearl is one I, I do want to see because yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe because of X, I feel like I need to complete the set. Yeah. So I need to watch X, I need to watch Pearl, I need to watch Maxine. Yeah, that's Max yeah, so that'd be good. <laughs> so, so the film as a whole, yeah, it's quite, it's, it's, um, there's quite a lot going on. It's, uh, there's a few moments of tension. Um, as I say, it's uh, it's just some of the things they do, you know, like just just the rich people. It's basically rich people doing some fairly nefarious and nasty things and just every season. So that's where they, you know, that's where they, 
so that's that's the story basically and then so they can keep doing it and keep doing it as long as they got the money they can keep doing it and keep doing it uh, so you said it goes a bit it goes a bit thrillery yeah yeah i think yeah yeah it's a bit thrillery so like they they you know like they they, they wear masks and they go out reminded me a little bit of have you seen clockwork orange where they all go on the on the drive thing so uh, i've seen that scene of clockwork orange i've never actually watched all of clockwork orange no well anyway so they like go out in a car they wear these masks they've all got these masks so once they they've sort of been all these rich people they all got these like really weird weird triple eyed masky type things which are quite when they go out as a group and like you know break into places and uh, okay. do some back hmm. Okay, so two things. Obviously, this is directed by Brandon Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg son of yeah. son of David Cronenberg, director of The Fly and other things like that. Yeah. Uh, number uh, number one, did you like did did you like uh, or, or is he similar to his dad? Film. Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, okay. it's pretty. It's pretty. You know, like weird, and the the process is. Um, do they call it body horror? They call it body horror. Yeah, body yeah. Well, horror. Cronenberg is known for body horror. Cronenberg yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, he's so like yeah, he's very much like horror. his dad. Very much in the same vein. Very strange. Very um, very weird. And yeah, I, I quite like those sort of weird films. Although, having said that, you, you did not like the last um, Cronenberg film. I wasn't too keen on that. No, I know. Yeah. I know the one you mean. Um, Spare parts, or whatever it was called. Spare, I don't yeah. <laughs> The trouble is, we see so many movies. They tend to you tend to only remember the ones you really, really like, or yeah, the others. Yeah, yeah. That they sort of fade into. Or the ones fade. you really hate. <laughs> yeah, or the ones you the ones you really like, the ones you really, really hate, all the what I call the the faders. You know what I mean? Yeah. The ones. Yeah, that you, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, um, if it maybe pops up or you see it somewhere, that's when you remember it. But apart from that, it's this. It's like gone. But anyway, so this. Yeah, I mean. How many stars? It was quite interesting. It was quite interesting, but it wasn't like mind blowing or anything like that. Um, so I give it, I'd give it three stars. Three stars, I think, an average of three stars. But uh, if I count Mia, Mia, then probably seventy-five stars. But you know, <laughs> I, I can't do that, so I'll give it a three. <laughs> three stars. Oh, okay, cool. So three stars for Infinity Pool, and now let uh, uh, but see it for Mia Goth. As, uh, essentially, I feel like Sean, what you're saying is it's three stars, but go see this film. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, all right, so Sharon, now we go over to you for Shadow and Bone season two. Yes, this is um, Shadow and Bone is based on a series of books. Uh, they've been known as the Grisha verse books, and I think there's there's a trilogy, and then there's two duologies. And what they have done with the series is they basically merged the trilogy and one of the duologies. So characters that were in separate sort of, they live in the same universe, but they're in separate stories. They've just merged the two stories. So as a consequence, it has moved away from the plot of the book. But the writer, Leah Bardergo, I believe her name is, is um, one of the executive producers. So she's obviously got alongside them to say, yeah, this is how you could merge these two stories and still get... Get something the that, that, saying. that recognizes our Grimmerverse still. So, so, so this is uh, a ticket. This is a series of books you've read. I have read, yes. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah, so they are it's set in like a fantasy world, pre industrial age um, fantasy world, as well as these places are. But this one is set in like a, a Victorian age where things are beginning to happen. It's not quite a full on industrial revolution, but you get the impression that. It's not like made, it's not like Lord of the Rings sort of um, Game of Thrones completely pre-industrial. This is on the cusp of you know 
things are happening, technologies are happening. Um, so it's sort of, sort of, there's a sort of a nod towards like the steampunk, but it doesn't go down that road. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so it's that, that sort of vibe to it. Um, yeah, so it's basically this, this whole, there's a whole new world. It's a world uh, in itself where some people have certain gifts and they're called the Grisha. And some people have the gifts that they can communicate with the human body so they can slow down your heart, they can speed it up. Some have have control over the elements so they can... So I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Keep, go keep going. Yeah. So they can they have control over the elements so they can control the wind, fire, water, and others have um, control over material things so they can control metal and uh, uh, the material world. So any stone would they have control of things? So these mm -hmm. and these people who are called the Grisha were have been isolated. They've been separated. So in one country, there's um, this this leader called who's called the Darkling, who is a Grisha, and he's basically organised all the people with these special powers into their own army. Um, wow. called the second army the first army is like normal and uh, normal soldiers and in the first book we saw how there's a lot of world building going on in this story <laughs> but it takes the story as uh, they, there's this these different lands are in like conflict with each other and there's also internal conflict and so you see like on a physical level and on a social political level a wider story and so we see the same characters after the events of the first story so in the first story a seemingly ordinary girl has discovered that she is actually quite a powerful Christian and that the, her powers are quite unique and but everyone wants to exploit them for their own benefit and so this this series takes that story a bit on where she becomes in, to embrace her powers and then she tries to enhance them to sort of fight this this evil that exists in this world so without going into details of exactly what the story is about, it's a continuation of that story. It expands the world a little bit more where you bring in these characters. There's some interesting characters, like the main characters. Her name is a girl called Alina Starkov. So she's a girl who was an orphan. And there's her best friend, who's Mal. Um, the, the, each of the countries sort of are, are similar in, in ours. So like they talk about Ravka, which is like Russia. It's got elders, this sort of the language is similar, the culture is similar. They've got, instead of um, the Russian Orthodox Church, you've got the saints, and they have like the priests are very much like the Orthodox priests, that sort of thing, where they have a, their leader is called the Apparat, and he's very much like a Rasputin type figure. And they have kings, but they're very much like the Tsars. And they have a, a warlike neighbor who they really don't get on with, um, called the Fjerda, who are very much sort of bit like, the, the cross between like the Finns and sort of, like the Ukrainians, you know, like the Ukrainians when they're the Cossacks, they've mm. got a different um, mythology. But then they've also got neighbours with the Shuhan, which are very much like a Chinese type culture. And then there's like this seafaring nation who are like merchants, who are a bit like the Dutch, but like the English. You know, when they went to sea and they sort of forged their their, their empires through the sea. And so yeah, you have so this, and, there's is... and there's the Zemeni who are like of like the African sort of states where they're uh, a bit more mystic and a bit more sort of, you know, sounds, of the land. This sounds intriguing. This so sounds they've, created intriguing. This whole, they've created this whole universe and she's really wow. thought out. She, so she's got this whole cultures where they're recognisable, but they've she's created their mm. own cultures. And then these sort of supernatural powers on the top. So it's actually very good at world building. It's one of the better young adults. Like it's, I think it's aimed at a young adult audience because 
in the books they're all like teenagers and you know there's yeah. nothing more boring than mm. than teenagers really so they have <laughs> aged them in the television series they have aged them up they're all like early 20s and so like a, no one wants no one really cares about a 19 year old who's going through the sort of the angst of you know growing up because it's not good television um so they have made them a bit older so the angst they're going through is a bit more of an adult world sorry sorry <laughs> sharon each time you start talking about uh, teenagers and angst and whether nobody cares about what they're going through or anything i immediately just start thinking about after and, and i think oh, and I, I, i'm me. like is sharon about to go on another rant is she about to go on another teenage fuel <laughs> rant I, I, is, is there much in the way of action in this? I know I always ask that question. I'm a man of habit. Is there much in the way of sort of battles and things, and and or is well, it more intrigue this. and stuff? There is. No, it's it's, it's more action and battle related because ooh, ooh, um, ooh. all these. Like in the, the sound the, of this one. Yeah, because the Darkling, he has this thing called the Fold, which is like a black void where he was messing around with dark magic called Merzost, and he basically he created this um, this void. And in and it this blackness basically consumed a whole area of land, and everything that was within that fold when this thing happened were mutated into these creatures. And so anyone who enters the fold who tries to cross this fold get attacked by these creatures. But then, out of this this darkness, he's created these shadow monsters. So whenever he wants, um, he sort of challenges them, and he sort of brings these shadow monsters to fight for him. So there's a lot of fighting, running, and shooting, and mm. using all the powers of the Grisha to fight them. So you get, um, yeah, them trying to fight them with the wind and the, the earth and fire and all sorts of things that they can. Yeah, so it's, it's quite action packed. So um, without going into too much, um, any more detail, I mean, um, if you like, if you know these stories, then you know these stories. Right. And if you don't, then it's probably something that. It's it's a lot. It's a it's a there's a whole world out there. But I would say, having read a lot of fiction, a lot of um, from young adult, from children's fiction actually to young adult to adult to like the the proper pompous you know fantasy novels, mm. <laughs> we all know what they're like. Yeah, I've read yeah, them yeah. all, and this is probably I would say one of the more engaging ones. Mm. The themes are different, but it's for me it's like the Hunger Games, and then it's quite a good crossover book that I think. The young adults will enjoy it, and I think adults enjoy it as well. It's one of those books that it, that is. There's well, it a certainly few more sounds. To it. I mean, I like I like that with Game of Thrones and House of Dragons. I like all that sort of you know yeah. different different nations and different. Yeah, there is darkness to it. Some of the themes are quite dark. Mm -hmm. One of the characters he always wears gloves um, because when he was a child, um, his his him and his brother were were conned out of everything they owned. They ended up on the streets. They mm. both got ill. And his brother died. And when he was thrown onto a plague ship, because they thought he was dead as well. So he wakes up amongst, surrounded by bodies. And when he's trying to fight his way out of his bodies, he gets touching these corpses. And in the book, the only way he could get back to land was he had to use his brother's body as a float. And he had to push his brother's body in front of him and then kick his legs. And he used his brother's body to get back to land. Uh -huh. And since then, he's had this phobia, but he cannot bear to be touched or to have anything touch mm. his bare skin. All right, cool. And so he always wears gloves. So some of these characters, they are complex characters. Um, and that's the sort of phobia that he is, you know, mm. that you see that these, that all these, that, and one of the characters, um, she was kidnapped as a child and sold into prostitution. So they are, there's darkness in it, mm. but it's still, you know, it's aimed at. But so I think it's, Certainly, a, a, definitely a cut above the normal fare that we do come across that has the label of young adult on it, which um, that is like a, to me, it's a whole 
spectrum going from, you know, the utterly banal to things that are actually really quite good. Okay, cool. So for anybody listening to this audio-wise, I've been here the whole time. Uh, <laughs> so how many stars would you give it? Well, um, you know, I am quite, I'm normally quite cautious about how I uh, start star things, but I think this was very good. So I would give this a four. Ooh. Well, it does. It, it does sound sounds really, yeah. really interesting. And it does deviate from the books. So I mean, it's one of those things you can watch it. And you're thinking, well, that's not how it went in the books. But um, even it works. you know, it works. It still the, works. Yeah. The characters at the, at the very end, the actual final scene, I was a bit like, I didn't. Mm, I'm not sure about that. But the rest of it, I was like, yeah, I, you kept the spirit of the books, even though you changed the storyline. Which, as mm. far as I'm concerned, you know, that's that's perfectly acceptable. So yeah, I would give it a four. I mean, I was toying with being a high three and a four, but to me, I think it just there's enough in it. Um, it's entertaining, you know. There's action, there's adventure, there's depth of character. They're not just like these cartoon cutout characters. I thought yeah, that every, there's certainly things to like about it. Everything I've heard says that this is probably one of the best thought out sort of like shows of its type. Also, like or my, well, I think I would be interested to see what you think about Lockwood and Co. on Netflix as well. Yes, it's on one of my. It's on my radar. I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my radar. All right, cool, good stuff. I'll look for that. And now we go back to cinemas. We go back to cinemas and we talk about Rye Lane, the film, the 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 much sought after film that Sean and I were trying to find mm. last week that I actually managed to go watch. So Rye Lane, it is. Um, what this is is uh, to give it all the headline things that people are usually talking about. This is a London-based black romantic comedy. That's what it is. So you, you kick off, and it, and I think, Sean, you were talking about the fact that you'd seen some clips of this, and you were like, well, I really want to see this because it looked intriguing, mm, because yes. the way it's shot, the way it's shot is a bit intriguing. And it's set in Peckham, so that's, that's where the title comes from, Rye Lane. So Peckham Rye is a train station, Rye Lane is where the train station is, and Rye Lane is the main road that goes through Peckham. I know because I used to live that, like, um, Sharon, well... My cousins live in Peckham. Your cousins live in Peckham. All right, cool. Yeah. So, so your cousins they would they would like watching this film. Like, you remember my cousin Taiwo? He lived in Peckham, and I used to stay. When I used to stay with him, I used to go to stop off at Peckham Rye, and go off to go to their house. And um, so there were bits of this where I was watching this film, and I just kept recognizing places, and I was like, Oh my god, I've been there! Oh my god, I know that shop! Oh, that's the African shop for that! Ah, and I, yeah, they're up at the train station. And so geog geograph geographically, I was kind of like, Oh yeah, this is quite cool. But the, the, the film, the storyline itself is a bit kind of... Okay, so you have these two people who meet. And when they meet, um, the guy, the guy who, who, I can't remember his name, um, but he's just come out, of a, he's come out of a relationship. He's just come out of a relationship. It's played by David Johnson. And he's Dom. Dom. Dom has just come out of a relationship, but he's still quite cut up about the relationship. He's quite, he's crying. He's like, the first time you see this guy in the film, he's crying in a toilet stall. <laughs> and he's he's crying because he he's been dumped by his girlfriend and not only has been dumped by his girlfriend but his girlfriend dumped him to go out with his best friend and and so then he meets um this girl yaz and yaz is it, to begin with you know when you you know how it is when you see one of these romantic comedies where 
you meet somebody and oh my oh my god they're everything that you might need and oh my god and oh my life is going to be better now because they're the one that's how it starts off and that's how it because like you know she comes out she's like this ball of energy and he's like an accountant and he's a bit pent up and she's like you know oh joy of life and all that kind of stuff so it starts off with very much um and people have used this term manic pixie dream girl thing where you know the girl comes in and the girl is going to make everything right and it's all about the guy and it's all the film's all about the guy and his problems and the girl who's going to make all his problems fine and it starts off a bit like that but thankfully it changes as it goes along and you, be, you begin to find out a little bit more about Yaz herself and about her and why she does certain things because this becomes like one of those films where they meet and it just sort of organically turns into this thing where they end up start, start spending the day together and walking from place to place and they go to Brixton and then they go to a restaurant and then they go to and all that kind of it just it just sort of turns into one of those films that just sort of carries on like that and it will for those of you of a certain age, like I now consider myself to be of a certain age, it will make you hanker for those days when you were young and you didn't have anything to do with your day. And you could just go, yeah, I'll go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's going on next? We're going there. Okay, cool. Let's go. I don't have any plans. <laughs> it will make you hanker for those because that's what happens for a lot of the runtime of the film. So I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that it follows the way a rom-com comes. It's about these two people. Um, Yas played by Viviana Opara and Dom played by David Johnson and they uh, the, they spend the day hanging out finding out more about each other like you know are there sparks there of course there's sparks there <laughs> and, and what, what happens is there going to be like an obstacle for them to overcome of course there's going to be an obstacle for them to overcome but what this does is the way it's shot and the characterizations I think are spot on. I found myself laughing over and over again in all sorts of different places in this film. There were things that happened. There's a, there's some things that I'm not sure whether it's kind of like, you know, a black thing where that where the jokes are kind of like, you know, behind the sort of black veil, so to say like you get them if you if you have if you've been experienced of black culture or anything like that. I don't know, I'll be interested to see what you guys do. I, I personally thought that sometimes that there were some bits where the London accents were a bit quick and I was like Okay, either they spoke really quickly there or they used some slang that I am way too old to understand. <laughs> but I'm just going to try and get what's going on by the context of what's going on right now without actually necessarily hearing the words. But I thought it was great. I thought it was a brilliant film. I thought it was a delightful film. It, 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 yes? Yeah, yes, I was going to say, yeah, with the clips I saw, I saw a, it was like a bit of an extended one when they're, they're, they're walking through, a, a, I don't know, a shopping mall or a market. Oh, yeah, yeah, market, yeah, yeah. Like, like a covered market, and, yeah. I just thought it just really grabbed me. I just thought, wow, I'd like this looks really cool. You know, the way it's sort of done and stuff where, where they pause and they turn around and face each other and then go walk in and places. And I thought, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, we spoke about this last week and, I mean, it's one that's on my radar, definitely, I would like to see. Well, no, I, I think that there's a lot of things that the film, though, because obviously I was the only one in the cinema, so I could actually make notes while I was watching the film. <laughs> I think, yeah, so I think that they're meet-cute, because obviously all these writer comedies, they always have a meet-cute at the beginning. I think that the meet-cute is hilarious. I think the way that they did it, it sort of undercuts the whole idea of a meet-cute, where they meet, how they meet, what goes on and everything like that. It undercuts it, and I thought it was very Peckham. Um, the, there's... They there's an there is there's a cameo in this film. There's a cameo in this film by a very big British actor. A very big British actor shows up in this film for probably all of fifteen seconds, and you're just kind of like, are you watching? Going is that is that, that yeah? That, how the hell did they get that person in this film? And you're watching it going. How the hell did they get this person to peck him? 
how did this go on? And you just think somebody who makes this film has to be connected. But that cameo I thought was hilarious. When even even the person and the role that they're playing, it's just kind of like off, off the scale. But the, and the the one of the things that they do quite well is that the first appearances of characters, almost every character, even small supporting ones, are memorable. And they have something like, like the first appearance of Yaz's ex in the film, hilarious. The um, um, Dom's best friend, who is now going out with his girlfriend, that guy steals every scene he's in. He is not—he <laughs> is a tiny <laughs> bit of the film, but he steals every scene he's in. And he just—just just the looks on his face and the way the character is and everything like that—I thought it was great. I like this a lot. I think it's one of those tiny, small films. It's about eighty-something minutes. We're talking about John Wick Chapter Four. That's nearly three hours long. I'm like, no, eighty-something minutes. <laughs> And it is small, it is perfectly formed, and it just leaves you with this sort of like buzz, uh, like this little glow after you finish watching the film. I liked it. It will make you think, it will make you wish for your youth again. I would give it a four out of five. So four stars mm-hmm. for Brian Lane. Cool. Yeah. So, Sean, if you can find it, yeah, go, go see it. I will, it. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should imagine, that, I mean, if it does go from, well, it's probably, good, well, it's gone from the cinema as I expect, but I, I shouldn't think it'd be too long before it pops up on it. Well, hopefully, hopefully she'll be able to see it at home somewhere, or maybe yeah. there'll be some showing in Bournemouth because Bournemouth tries to be all trendy and student-filled. So. It does, yeah, yeah, might, <laughs> so, yeah, we might get that, yeah. So we might get that at Bournemouth. And now we go on to Netflix and we go on to The Stranger. And Sean, you saw this. I did, I saw The Stranger. Yeah, this this sort of intrigued me. It come to me because, as you know, as my namesake, Sean Harris, although the Sean's about Sean, it is... Um, it is uh, um, and I mean, I I rate him so highly. I know he plays some some particular, some really really unsavoury characters in some of his movies, but um, almost exclusively, almost yeah. exclusively. But I, I mean, there is Weird there was one. Is, I forget what it was. I don't know if it was the King was about Henry V, where I think he's yeah. one of the where he was he was in that. But um, but I just I just find him like I don't know, uh, and it's, I just think he's really good. Anyway, this film, The Stranger, is an Australian film. Um, it's going to be so so difficult to uh, to do this without spoilers. So I would say that if anyone's doesn't want to hear, you know, I'll, I'll say what it's about. Um, this is a, this isn't the one with some sort of weird spider creature, is it? No, 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 okay, no. Cool. This All is right. this is an Australian film. Basically, what happens? It starts off they're on a coach, and uh, there's um, oh, Joel Egerton. Um, oh yeah, and. Uh, he, he makes friends with Sean House. So, so they're just traveling on a bus and he makes strange and they, they sort of get together and they, 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 um, so that they sort of bond. And then he said, uh, the character, Sean Harris, he's been in trouble with the play. And he said, oh, look, I know people that can, you know, erase, erase your records. And, you know, um, so you can, you know, you can go and you can move and you can go and do what you want and all sorts of stuff like this. Um, and he gets introduced to all these people that say, You've got to, uh, you've got to, if you tell me the truth, you know, if you tell us exactly what, what you've done, we can, we can, you know, erase it and make things all, all better for you and all. Um, so there's all these really, really strange people that he meets through and he goes and he says, oh, we've got to do this sort of thing, this sort of thing. And it turns out it's all like, how can I say this without spoiling? Well, I suppose it wouldn't really matter because <laughs> it's based, it, this, this is based on a true story. This is based on a story okay. of, of a, a, an abduction that took place, and uh, although he wasn't charged for the crime, although he wasn't charged for the crime, he, he was charged for a, for a crime that was similar, but not this particular crime. But it's basically the whole the whole thing is a 
this oh, induction. Oh. So that's where it's come. So, but I mean, I suppose I spoiled the film now. But you don't know that until until you know way way well into the film. But it, okay, don't don't worry, Sean. When when I edit this, I'll try and just so blank blank that bit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say, so perhaps you could just put that that bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's the only way I can sort of explain it. So basically, there's all this stuff that goes on through the film where, where you know, it's like, oh, you know, what did you do? What exactly did you do? What this, that and the other? And and it's all really, really, really convincing. It's like totally convincing that, that there's this group of people that can do this, that can make all the crimes go away, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite intense. And it's, it's one that you do really have to watch because it's very, uh, very broody. And it's like... The relationship is called the stranger because they sort of bond quite well, even mm -hmm. though even though the, just some, met. some of the things that one of them's done, it's like you know why would you bond with with that person? So it's yeah, quite an intense film. Quite, I mean, it went under the radar, but incredibly well acted. I mean, the, the, it was so convincing. You know, I wouldn't have known um, I wouldn't have known anything about it. A bit dark, I guess. Um, so. You know, it's, um, let me get, get some stuff up to say about it. Dude. Well, yeah, then it's, uh, no, no, it's okay. no, that sounds good because some of the stuff you said about the basic premise, it reminds me there's an episode of Black Mirror that's a little bit like that. Right. Where, yeah, where these people just meet up and I was like, how do we know? And they just, and it's a lot of them just sort of talking and almost yeah. kind of like, you know, dancing around each other. Yeah, yeah. One person's trying to get the other person to do stuff yeah. and all that. No, but, no, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, I need to introduce you to this person because they're the ones that can get you a new passport, get you a clean license, mm. get you, you, you know, so there's all these people all the way through the, the film that he gets introduced to. And yeah, it's all quite an elaborate op, really. All but right. you, you wouldn't know. All right, cool. So, um, so oh, how many stars would you give this? Mm, a tough shout, really. Tough shout. I would say probably, probably a three. It's a little bit... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give this one a three, I think. Because it wasn't... I didn't think it was like a, a great piece of of cinema or anything like that. It's interesting, and it was well, interesting watching it. It, it, it. The way it was, the way it panned out, and some of the settings, it was it was so... It was enough to keep you occupied. So it's a strong three. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like... Yeah. A, it, I, you were watching it all the time, but it wasn't like a massive, massive thing. So I'd have to give this a three star, I think. All right, cool, cool. I was wondering whether you are going to say it's a little bit hokami. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay all right and now we come on to the film we come on to the film that sharon sort of invoked god to avoid scene and <laughs> this is 80 for brady 80 for now, brady yes. now okay now sean you're the only one who's seen this in cinemas yes. you're the one who's seen this i probably but, will be because it's very very american um, it, it's, it's the trailer pardon yeah i've seen the trailer yeah but, but but I'll give the headlines. I'll give the headlines of this. Yeah. This is kind of a film that you'd say where they'll be like starring Fonda, Tomlin, Moreno, and Field. So it's yes. like, yeah, so Sally Field, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Lily Tomlin, they're all, they are the ones who are in this film. And I feel like this is the kind of film that it, it's, it seems like it said, there's bits of this, like, and the trailer and the advertising that it's all about come see these legends, come see this acting legends. Yeah have fun and it feels like and it feels like they have done th these are all women who do not need to prove themselves to anything anymore they've i think three of them have won oscars mm -hmm. and the yeah the only one who hasn't won an oscar lily tomlin is probably because 
I don't think she wanted to. Quite no, frankly, in my head. To be fair, she's probably the weakest of the four, I would think. Although Rita Marino, I only really know her from West Side. West Side, West Side Story, yeah, mm-hmm. West Side Story. My only observation of the of the trailer was a, a couple of the ladies I barely recognised. You do you know Sharon? I was going to say that when I did because the there's review. a couple They're... of them I was thinking when they said the names of the people when they said, you know, this actress is in it and this actress, and I was like, were they? Which one was she? <laughs> Yeah. And then well, I went, it's only when I looked back that I suddenly was like, I think that was who I think Jane it Fonda. Jane Fonda. <laughs> they, I, don't they, they, be, I don't want to be unkind about it, but I'm thinking, yeah, I think she's had a bit serious, of work done. Serious, oh, no, no, serious, Jane, serious work. Yeah, no, no, exactly Jane right. Fonda. I was, was going to come to that. I think, <laughs> no, no, I think, I think, I think probably I think, I think, Rita Marino and Jane Fonda are definitely, uh, and Jane Fonda especially. But I have to say, whoever did it was incredibly good. No, okay. well, the thing is, the thing is, I think Jane Fonda has made no. She's been very open about the fact that she's had quite a bit of plastic surgery, and she. But she said it was to prolong her career. She reckons that she got ten years of work that she wouldn't have had if she hadn't done it. Yeah. Which yeah. I have to be honest with you, she's probably right about because of the way yeah. Hollywood is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, but I think because I've been watching Grace and Frankie, which has J, which is Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, I've over the last six seven years i've kept a track of what jane fonda looks like although although i have to be honest with you there's one particular episode of grace and frankie where they essentially they 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 do this episode where they say what if jane fonda her, her character grace had had even more plastic surgery and they make her look almost unrecognizable so they make her look like you know that of Jocelyn Wildstein, the lady who's yeah. sometimes called the cat lady, they make Jane yeah. Fonda look like that. And I think in this film, they have particularly upped it and they've done the makeup to make Jane Fonda look even more sort of like, like you know, 80-year-old Young. Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> like, they've, they've done even more to do that. But but the thing about this film is that it seems like it's this acting legends, there's four of them, and it looks like let's take 80-year-old women and let's make them, let's remake The Hangover, with but with 80-year-old yeah. women. Or, That's or, what... Or Sally... Or Sally Field, who keeps saying, no, I'm, I'm actually only 75. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. Anyway, so the story is, it's based on, it's actually based on a true story, is um, oh, yeah. the Lily Tomlin character, she's she's had, like, she's in remission from, she, she had a lot of lot of treatment for cancer and all that. And through all the cancer, these, these other three, they sort of kept her going. And all the way through it, they kept watching the Patriots, New England Patriots, American football team, and Tom Brady, Tom, so, so, he sort of Tom Brady, and through the film, there's like the cheesy bit of like Tom Brady's on the screen, and he's saying, "Oh, you can do this," you know. You, you, do you know what I mean? So he's sort of giving advice that she can look up and see to give advice to. Um, anyway, so they want to go to the Super Bowl, the the Super Bowl with with the Chiefs, and obviously they can't get tickets. And then there's a local TV station that has this competition, and they get the tickets, so they get the tickets. Um, and so off they go to the, the Super Bowl, you know, the Super Bowl to, and like Jane Fonda's like, she has relationships with, she's all through, she has relationships with really, really bad guys. And of mm. course, she's there and she meets, meets some, well, really she, meets, bad like, a, a, she, she meets someone who you guys would never heard of, some sort of old American football star that was like, oh, are you, are you know. Who, Terry Bradshaw? No, 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 not Bradshaw. I can't even <laughs> remember the guy's name, but um Anyway, so there's that bit, and then Sally Field enters the the uh, this like eating competition of eating the hot hot stuff, hot and, wings, hot wings, hot yeah. wings, and 
yeah, she goes as competition and she sort of wins it. They're not hot at all and everyone's like, so there's that little bit. But she loses the tickets. So, and she's like lost the tickets. But they've met some other characters through this. It's just really, really cliche, you know, it's just like really <laughs> golden girls. So they, they have all this, uh, you know, all, all these adventures and the people that they meet are really good so they get the tickets back they find the tickets they, they make the guy around the chicken wing competition they he says yeah i've got the bag and all that and then but the tickets are fake and lily tomlin has bought fake tickets really because she wanted just wanted to go uh, but they just happened to bump into the this this other chap that oh yeah john jane fonda gets caught in a, not jane fonda um rita marino gets in a poker game and the guy that she met in the poker game which was a charity one they happened to bump into him and he goes, oh, you can come in. And then they go into the box and they watch the game and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, I found you then. Unless you're, unless you're American or an American football fan, I think it would be totally, totally just over. There's lots of cameos of famous American footballers that can't act to save their lives. <laughs> they are just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, it's... it's it, yeah, Jane Fonda has written a book called The Gronk, where there's this 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 uh, tight end, which you won't know who played, but he's called Ron Gorowski or some Gronkowski. And um, of course, he's in it. But all these American football players, they just, they can't act. Uh, you know, they try. <laughs> oh, you're sad. <laughs> so, and you've got to be honest with you, I've never heard of Tom Brady. So well, if Tom he is Brady like... is actually in a film, and I can't remember what it was, but they wanted his DNA. He's been in a couple of films because he's like, he was like a 40-year-old. Is he like the Bobby Moore of, <laughs> of probably American bigger? Football. Probably he's, he's he's won the most Super Bowl. In this particular Super Bowl, this one was against the Chiefs, uh, fifty-three, I think. Okay. And it was like the biggest comeback ever of a Super Bowl. It went into overtime, and it was and it, and this is the way where she sort of speaks to Tom Brady. She meets Tom and sort of says to him, "Oh, you know, you can win the game now," and blah blah blah. <laughs> so anyway, cut a long story short, it's it's like Golden Girls. It's just the uh, you know, it's just them yeah. having fun. I think it's just them having fun. I bet. And I mean, there's thoughts. I didn't mind it too much because I got a lot of the American football references, and there was some American None football in it. But, but Chaz, you would have known anybody. You would go, who I wouldn't the have known. Hell, is that? You know, I wouldn't have known any of them. But then, to be honest with you, if you put um, America, if you put Premier League footballers on the television, I wouldn't know any of them either. Um, I don't follow any sport. Actually, what's strange is I probably know more American football players than I do. <laughs> well, no, is... no, 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 I don't. No, that'd be what yeah. I could probably but... pick out Harry Kane in the lineup, and that's it. I probably but... could not pick out many of the others. But I do have to just say this: with the last Super Bowl, I was over in Bournemouth with my um, uh, uh, it was one before. Yeah, no, sorry, not this one. The one, the one before. We were watching it in um, in a bar. England, the, the World Cup. It was the World Cup we were watching. It was one weekend we were watching the World Cup and it was England to play USA. It was that game. And we oh, went yeah. up to this bar and when they played the American National Anthem, me and my mate Luke were like, oh, oh silly. Give over. They were like, no, seriously, seriously. Yeah, Give no, we seriously over. did that and we got so many looks and it was like, well, I'm a big America file. So, I mean, <laughs> as I say, I'm... Um, I would have been, I would have not been able to stand next to you if you did that. I know. <laughs> I would I have know, been embarrassed. I, I understand that. I get... I get that so much with like people saying, "Oh, America, blah blah blah." No, anti-American, but I would, I would, I would find that I would just find that unbelievable. Find it outrageous. <laughs> and it's yeah. not your and flag. 
I'm like, you've got your flag. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry, but that's, that's... But I wouldn't do that to my own flag. I think that's idolatrous, but that's going back to what I was like, you know, that's idolatry. Stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I wouldn't do that if for my own flag. If they said, you know what, we've been introduced to England. Do you sort of doing all this? Mm. I'm like, no, that's idolatry. I won't do that. Hey, hey, I, st <laughs> I still have trouble singing God Save Our Gracious King. Oh, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't off the tongue I mean, yet. It's still not it does not. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to national anthems, I just like I just like singing them. Really, <laughs> just like I mean, I like, I like even the Russian one and the French one. I love as well. So, you know, I find out. The Marseille, yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, how many yeah. stars for eighty for Brady? Okay, well, for me, because it had the American football connections, and I quite like American football connection. Had the Super Bowl experience. Had a bit of the game. Had a bit. I'd, I'd probably give it a three. I think any English person who's not has no idea who Tom Brady is, who doesn't like American football. Even with the actresses in, it would probably be be a, a one or two because they would be like, what is this? Is, so, why did they hire that actor to play an American football player and he can't even act? <laughs> so, yeah, so I would, I mean, personally, with the American football slant, I'd give it a three. But I think, seriously, it really probably only deserves a two because it is pretty dire. Uh, you know, but I, I feel like the you the problem with this, or not even the problem, but with this film, you know what you're getting. So you yeah. watch the trailer, you know what you're getting. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like writ large, and it's totally this. So because, have you ever seen a film called De Detroit Rock City? None. And it's, uh, that is based about four boys, four boys in the 1980s, who are trying to get to a KISS concert and the KISS concert is going to be in Detroit and they're trying to get down there and some of the some of the story beats sound exactly the same they win the tickets on a radio show but they lose the tickets because somebody the guy who won the tickets hung up before he before he gave them his details so they have to now try and figure all these ways of getting into it and they'll have to try and sneak their way backstage and everything like that and then KISS show up at some point and Gene Simmons is part of the film and I'm like this sounds like a remake of Detroit Rock City with a bit, yeah. with a bit of the hangover thrown yeah, it, in, but everybody's it, it, 80 years old. It totally would not happen. It. it totally would not happen. It's like, like you know, the, the security guy that doesn't let him in with the fake tickets. He, um, he's like, he lets him in at the end. He's nice at the end. Do you know what I mean? You think he's coming yeah. along and be horrible. You got to, but no, he's... So it's all, yeah, it's all very, very... Yeah, it's... It's, it's very 80s wish fulfillment, but uh, yes. but but hey, three stars for 80 for Brady. And now we get on to Apple TV Plus, and I will see whether I can make it through this review without having to run off and check on a, two, on a toddler. <laughs> but, um, so this is Shrinking, Shrinking on Apple TV Plus. This is a show that stars Jason Segel, stars Jessica Williams, and Harrison Ford. So, yes, Harrison Ford doing Ooh. TV. And it is uh, after, I think, he, he was in one of those Yellowstone things, and now he's in this 1923. one. 1923. Yeah, 1923. So, Shrinking is one of these shows that has, like, a bit, you know, you were talking about um, spoilers earlier, Sean. Mm. This, show, this show has a premise, and the way the show starts, the first scene of the show relies on you not knowing the premise of the show. <laughs> but I'm kind of like, so, so there's a bit, I'm like, this opening scene of the show would be really, really effective if I didn't know what the show was about, but mm. but you need to know what the show is about to watch the show. So I don't I don't understand why they did the first show of the show. Anyway, but you meet Jason Siegel and he is this guy who 
Um, he's lost his wife recently. He has a teenage daughter, but he's lost his wife. And when you first meet him, he is by his swimming pool with two women who it seems that like he doesn't really know that well. He is on some sort of drugs and he's playing a whole bunch of Billy Joel. And his neighbor sort of comes in and tells him to keep it down. And that as then as it goes on, you it turns out that he, he lost his wife unexpectedly and it's really sort of messed him up. It sends him into a spiral. However, the thing is that he is actually a psychiatrist and he that's where the title comes from, Shrinking. He's a psychiatrist and it's about him trying to help his... Um, because of what he's been going through, he decides to sort of, so almost sort of change and start trying to help his clients out in a different way. Try to help his patients out in a different way. And then it just... It, but what it really is, it's, it's, it's a workplace comedy because it's he's in this practice with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is the head of this uh, medical practice and Jessica Williams is the other partner in this thing. And it's all about... And some of the best scenes are where they just hang out and they're talking. They hang out and they're talking and it seems like the, the it's one of these shows where they have a premise at the beginning where, oh, this guy is spiraling, this guy has so much drugs and everything because his wife died, which they chuck really quickly. They chuck that really quickly. And it's almost as if they made a pilot where he was on drugs and then they went and wrote the rest of the season and thought, you know what, we're going to soften that or we're going to change that a bit. And so the rest of it is really about him trying to connect with his daughter because his daughter is also grieving, but he hasn't noticed because he's been too busy in his own grief. And uh, then there's flashbacks into his marriage and all that. There's this, there's the way he's trying to help his his uh, um, his clients out and all. But it's really like it's becomes like a sort of workplace character based comedy because one of his one of his patients is a has anger management issues. Has just come back from a tour uh, with with um, has just come from a tour with his. Uh, he's, he's in the army where he keeps beating people up and he just gets into fights and all that kind of stuff and it's about how he helps that guy and the, the, somehow that guy ends up living in his house and all that kind of stuff but I really like this The and the main reason I really like this I think is the performances I think Harrison Ford is brilliant because Harrison Ford is just doing his you know nowadays Harrison Ford seems to be almost like a professional grump He's a good to that stage where he's like a grumpy old man. And he he's gives... He's so deadpan as well, isn't he? <laughs> oh, so deadpan. So brilliantly deadpan. And some of his line delivery and the way he says things in this thing and the way that, that they go with the fact that he's old so he doesn't understand certain words or terms and he uses them in the wrong way at all. I think it's just really, really well done. There's something to do with his relationship with his daughter in, in the show. And I think that it, because this is written... It's created by the guy who created Scrubs, who created Ted Lasso. And it's written by um, it's written by this uh, by uh, essentially it's pretty much the same creative team that did Ted Lasso did this, and you can see similar things with it. Where it's like it's really funny. It's about the interrelationships between all the different characters, but every now and then there'll be a bit of pathos and everything like that. But for me, for me, the MVP of this show is Jessica Williams. Jessica Williams gives one of those performances that seem designed to make you fall in love with her. And I mean, and she is this kind of like mixture between like, you know, oh, career woman who can go over there and little girl where <laughs> where she's like you, you, you buy that. She is really, really competent on what she does. But some of her reactions, there is there is one particular scene where she ends up in Harrison Ford's house and her facial expressions in that scene are just priceless. I mean, my brother's been watching this the same time as I've been watching it. And he's just kind of like, I'm so in love with her. I am just so, so in love with her. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I really like Shrinking. I would say watch it. As I say, I always have problems uh, reviewing comedies because it's it's a comedy drama. I always have problems reducing, reducing comedies. But I'll say the cast is really good. The situations are quite good. 
There's some bits where they kind of make some characters friends because I feel like they just have to get them to be friends for this thing mm. to go forward. But you kind of yeah, ignore that and let them have it. But um, but just think it's, it's really, really good. And I would give Shrinking a four out of five. I would say watch it on Apple TV+. Plus. If And I, I think I would say watch it for Jessica Williams, but also, quite frankly, watch it for Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford is actually, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun in this role. So that's it. Four stars for Shrinking on Apple TV+. Plus. Any questions? Mm, nope, none for me. Okay, cool. Good stuff. All right, cool. I did actually set a timer on myself. But yeah, so that's it. Four stars. So all that's left to do is to say, what is it that we... Oh, well, who do you think has won this week? Uh, I'm pretty confident Netflix probably didn't even pip it. It, it romped it. Okay, okay. Sharon? Uh, yeah, it's quite... I think, yes, our home viewing was quite strong this week, so I'd go with home viewing. Okay, so this is the funny thing, Sean, that you say that because up until our final round, because we have three rounds, so three films on Netflix, three films at home, up until our final round, it was a dead heat. Oh, wow. It oh, was right, a dead okay. Yeah, because we had a three oh, yeah, for Infinity Pool and a four for Rye Lane, and we had a four for Shadow of Bone and a three for The Stranger, oh, and yeah. then it came down to the final round. It came down to the final round. And just, just because 80s for Brady just didn't have enough American football <laughs> stuff in there for Sean to give it an extra star. <laughs> You're right. Netflix has just pipped it. Netflix oh, has just pipped it, it wow. by one star overall this week. Mm. So this week we say that just about we had a better time. Our money was better spent on Netflix and Friends than it was in cinemas. Right, so I think that's everything. Please, if you if you have listened this far, as I've, I've been finding that some people have been listening this far, such as Marcus Clearspring. Oh my God, Marcus! I'm so sorry, I forgot to read out your texts again. Hello, Marcus. Hello, yeah, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, Marcus has been sending us messages from uh, from every now and then. He'll send us a message from from I think he's in Australia, but on Twitter, just sort of saying, "Oh, how about this?" And he sent me a sent me a document which I should share. I should share with everybody else about. You know how we were talking, I think it was a time when I was talking about the fact that sometimes I do not like starting to watch a TV show because um, because I want to know that the story is going somewhere. And if the story doesn't really go somewhere, or if they end the, if they end the first season going, ooh, come back for season two, yeah, yeah then I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to bother, I'm not going to bother watching that. And apparently there's, there, there, he sent me this article which had shown a whole bunch of research that says that that's actually a thing. It's a, it's a recognized phenomenon of people not even bothering to watch a show because they hear that this show doesn't sort of totally complete the thing because it ends in a massive cliffhanger. But then because people don't watch the show, Netflix goes, no one's watching the show and cancels it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you never get the cliffhanger. So I'm not sure whether that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but either way, it's bad. But <laughs> but yeah, he sent me that. I was I will share that with everybody else so you can have a look because I, I thought it was quite interesting. But thank you very much, Marcus. If you would like to get in touch with us like Marcus, and if you would like to interact with us like Sean says, let us know what you think about it. Go find us on all various social media at Netflix via Cinema. So um, on Twitter, we're Netflix via Cinema. On um, I think on Facebook, we're there that as well. And uh, we what's that? YouTube. YouTube. That was the one. I was blanking for some reason. And you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube where we put our individual reviews up on YouTube. Uh, we're averaging putting up about one a week, one a day at the moment. So it's um uh. Say six a week, sorry, yeah, around about one a day. So go on there, let us know what you think. 
get in touch with us and it would be great to hear from you and if you're somewhere that if you actually like what you're hearing go somewhere and please give us a give us a rating on apple podcast if you can find out how to do it because it is not that easy and it's not that clear but if you if you listen to us on a podcast thing that lets you leave a review please do leave us a review spotify whatever it is but until next week when i think sean and i might have dragged ourselves to see john wick chapter four Although I have to admit, if Dungeons and Dragons is current, I'm going to see Dungeons and Dragons instead of John Wick Chapter Four. That, that's, if, I, if I'm going to have a choice for for one one film a week, I'm going to see Dungeons and Dragons. Um, until that time, is a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye from me, and a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for joining us. Yes.